0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 249, Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday in Jacksonville, Florida. Two of the most exciting fighters in the history of the lightweight division. 17 combined performance bonuses between them two. I have a feeling it's going to be all action this Saturday in Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, anytime these guys... Uh, Coming to the cage, you gotta you gotta watch their must see fighters. Tony Ferguson, one of the most exciting guys to ever do it, a twelve fight win streak. You know, beat some uh, former champions along the way. And Gaethje, ever since he got signed to the UFC, it's just been straight. Uh, you know, fight of the nights, performance of the nights. Uh, you know, he definitely proved that that signing was worth it. So I'm excited. It's been a while since we had fights, and and uh, let's get into it.
0: Yes, sir. Let's get right down to business. Before we do, I got to let you know it's Max Bet Season at Best Fight Picks. Use that promo code Dan for 10% off. Use that promo code Shack for 10% off. Or use that promo code 2020 for 20% off the VIPs. And Shaq, uh, let's get right down to business because first up, in the 205 pound division, we got Ryan Spann. He's 17 and 5, and Smiling Sam Alvey is 33 and 13. Currently, they got Ryan Spann minus four twenty. The comeback on Sam Alvey is plus three thirty five. Well, uh, Shaq, I'm gonna tell you off the rip that I couldn't have been more wrong about this kid Ryan Spann. You know, uh, you remember his contender series fight? Obviously, things didn't go his way. Got knocked out really quick, and then goes to the regional scene, takes a, or actually wins his fight against Alex Nicholson, knocks him out in the first round officially. But he was almost knocked out himself, and it seemed like Alex Nicholson punched himself out. And at that point, I was like, man, it's never going to pan out for Ryan Spann in the UFC. And boy, was I wrong because this guy, you know, I keep forgetting. He's just a kid. He's only 28 years old, but he's got massive physical tools, 6'5 with the 82 inch reach. And I've been very impressed with what this kid's been doing lately. Uh, the guillotine choke is absolutely nasty. His presence inside the cage, the striking's getting better. You saw him blast double Noguera. So I'm very impressed with Ryan Span. And with Smiling Sam Alvey, it's the same thing it's always been, you know? He's not necessarily uh, known for his footwork or his speed or anything like that, but what he is known for is that veteran experience. And you start to, you know, put your chin up in the air, you think it's some kind of joke. I mean, he's been known to spark some people unconscious and launch them uh, flying through uh, the cage. So, you know, if Ryan Spann hasn't been taking this seriously, he could get knocked out, but I do think he's the rightful favorite here. I think he's got too much uh, for Sam in terms of the physical department. I think the line might be a little wide, but... uh, I am going with Ryan Span here to get a fourth win in a row, Shaq.
1: Yeah, you know, I just Yeah, you know, I think uh Yeah, he pretty much hit it. Alvi, I think he was a little bit of an overachiever coming off the tough show. He kind of made it farther farther than a lot of people thought, had some good upset uh knockouts back in the day over, you know, Cesar Ferreira, uh a couple other good ones. Um I just think he hasn't evolved along the years and to be honest, man, I think it's kind of getting worse as of late. You know, his last few fights, you know, he got his leg folded back against Noguera, uh, And where, you know, he got knocked out in by, a, by a 40-year-old that Ryan Spann uh, finished in the first round. And I don't like to use MMA math, but then, you know, we follow that up with the Kroot, uh fight in which he got stopped. And, you know, it's just the way he's been acting lately, man. He's acting like, you know, these are early stoppages or, or whatnot. And then the Klitson fight... I mean, he did the same thing like you always did. You backed up too much. you didn't throw enough. And then he's, you know, you know, all of a sudden he's shocked that he he lost the decision. Man, I just think he hasn't caught up with the times. You know, this is Span's fight for the taking. Uh, uh in my opinion, Span's easiest fight in his uh UFC tenure. I think he should come out here and, and you know capitalize on this deteriorating chin of Alvi. You know, Alvi was known for his chin, but I just think Span you know it's too big and a very underrated ground game as well i think he's got double double digit submissions as well so i I like span to come out here and and run through alvey and i'm just not convinced Avi's you know ufc level you know material anymore man he just hasn't evolved
0: and that's a funny point you bring up about that clinton fight like he literally acted like he was highway robbed at gunpoint it was unlike anything i've ever seen before man
1: yeah, I mean that's not the only time he's done that either, man. The Elias fight, he did that as well. I mean, bro, you you, you know you didn't throw enough. Why why are you sitting here acting all shocked? And the crew, he's acting like the crew fight was a was an early stoppage. I mean, bro, you you, you were you know you were face down on the canvas. But hey, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, they get in there, but yeah, I mean I agree with you, man. But uh, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Charles Rosa, he's twelve and three, and Bryce Mitchell, he's twelve and no. Currently. They got Bryce Mitchell, minus 155. The comeback on Charles Rosa is plus 135. So this is interesting, man, because I'll be honest with you, and I could be way off here, but I haven't been that impressed with Bryce Mitchell. Like, I love the kid's personality. I love the fact that, you know, uh, he's a good old boy from Arkansas. You know, he's asking for a camo on the Reebok shorts. Uh, I like the kid a lot. I like that he won his last fight by Twister, but... When I watch him, I'm like, man, he got finished by Brad Katona, had a 50-50 fight with Tyler Diamond, a 50-50 fight with Bobby Moffitt, and then he submitted a 1-2 and two opponent that missed weight by 5 pounds with a twister. It was beautiful to see, but, you know, when people are calling this guy a future top 10 guy, I say, let's uh, let's draw the line, because I was calling guys like Sodiq Yusuf and Calvin Cater future top 10 guys before they were ranked. So, Bryce, we'll see what happens. He could prove me wrong. Now, as far as Charles Rose is concerned... You know, he is a black belt in jujitsu, but he's not exactly known against, you know, for his speed, his footwork, anything like that. He's just, he's tough. He's Boston strong. And, uh, you know, if Bryce Mitchell makes some rookie mistakes, that's where Charles Rosa could capitalize. It might be a dog or pass situation. I'll slightly lean with Bryce Mitchell because of the athleticism, the youth, and things among those lines. But it would not surprise me at all if Rosa came out here and got the upset.
1: Yeah, you know, I think Bryce is, uh, you know, the whole top 10 thing. Yeah, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Um, you know, I think he's got some glaring holes in his game, and I think that later on it will be exposed. I mean, you saw the diamond fight. He got 10 that last round, and, uh, and that Bobby Moffat fight. I mean, man, Bobby Moffat pulled a big stun in that fight because he honestly had that fight won, but he got his back taken with like a minute left in the fight. Um, And it's kind of a similar pattern in Bryce's fights. He comes out hard in that first round with his jujitsu storm, and then he kind of hits a wall and fatigues out. And, you know, his striking's developing, so he's still not there yet. Um, You know, I just don't think Rose is necessarily the guy to expose it. I mean, like you said, Rose is a tough guy, reminds me a lot of Theodoro, you know, flailing all over the place, tough kid. But, uh, you know... I just don't think he's the guy. I could be wrong, you know, because there is some glaring holes in Mitchell's game. But, man, I just think that Rosa hits soft. I think that his last fight he was getting smashed on by Bermudez. But, you know, Bermudez, uh, you know, he's been hanging out with Grisby too much, man. He's been, uh, you know, I mean, he's. I hear he's missing weight at 55. The kid's gone completely off his rocker now. And, I mean, that arm bar he pulled off, you know, is nice. But... I don't think you're going to see too many things like that uh, happen consistently through in his fights. And so I'm going to go with Mitchell as well. Uh, I could be wrong, but I just, you know, this amount of people betting, betting on a guy like Rosa, who I, I still think is a little washed up. Uh, is a, is, a, is somewhat alarming to me. So I'm going to take Mitchell. I think he uh, gets the job done just by being younger, fresher. And, you know, he's young, man. I think that some of these uh, issues in his game could uh, definitely, you know, be improved over time. So, you know, uh, Aswer Rosa, I think, is definitely a finished product. I don't see him getting any better. Uh, You know, some people are under the illusion he was up two rounds against Burgos. But, I mean, the fight I saw, I saw Shane walking him down the entire time. So, uh, I'm going to go with Mitchell here by, by, I'm going to say late finish.
0: Yeah, I mean, those same people were the ones saying that Yair Rodriguez robbed uh, Charles Rosa of a decision in Mexico. So, you know, people will say anything. But uh, on the topic of Manny Bermudez... uh, Dude, uh just let me know when that Manny Bermudez versus Ray Borg 265-pound catchway fight happens, because I'm all in. But next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Vicente Luque. He's 17 and 7, and Nico the hybrid price is 14 and 3. Currently they got Vicente Luque minus 290. The comeback on Nico price is plus two forty-five. Well, Shaq, look, this is a rematch. First time they fought, uh, Vicente Luque walked through Nico Price. I mean, the only success Nico had in that fight was he did pop his head back with a few jabs. I mean, we know Vicente loves to block punches with his face. uh, But, uh, you know, if you just watched the first fight, that minus 290 is warranted. The only thing I'm worried about is that Vicente has been taking a lot of damage uh, his last few fights. And Nico, you know, it's still good old Nico, but he seems like he's getting more comfortable inside the octagon. You think Nico can come out here, get the upset, and avenge his loss to
1: Vicente? Yeah, you know, the line is pretty wide. Um, Vicente Luque, man, I've always had a feeling he was a little overrated. I think he, I think, when I say overrated, I just mean that in the terms of, you know, back back a few months ago when everyone was saying he was a, uh, you know, a top 10 guy, I thought that was a little bit of a stretch. But, you know, Vicente definitely schooled him the first time. I feel like both guys have grown a little bit. But, man, you know, minus 290... I think that they're banking on this first round KO and Vicente definitely, you know, is more, has better uh, boxing prowess while he's fresh and, uh, you know, more agile. Nico's, you know, got two right feet. He's slow. He gets hit a lot. Uh, but man, if this fight goes to the second round, you kind of got to be holding your breath, man. I feel like Luque's got very suspect cardio and like you said he's been taking a lot of damage and with some of these brazilian guys man sometimes they can age overnight so you got to be very careful i think that nico price may not necessarily make him exert all that energy just because you know in comparison to you know a leon edwards or a a wonder boy those guys are going to be moving around constantly and you know you see vicente chasing them around the cage or for example uh a barberina. But if he get a similar situation where he tees off on Price and can't necessarily get him out of there in that first round, I mean, uh, Luke's cardio worries me a lot, man. I, I definitely think he's the better fighter, and I, and I love Nico Price as a fan, but man, defensively speaking, even his fight with Vic, I mean, it was kind of ugly, man. It, 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 you know, it's not pretty with Nico Price. He gets hit a lot. He makes a lot of mistakes. So he's definitely a liability to get knocked out. I, I, surprisingly, you know, his original fight before this whole thing went down was uh, Muslim Salikov, which I thought was, like, one of the worst style matchups for him. Uh, now he's got Luke, and I think it might possibly be a good time to fight Luke. So I do think this line could be, uh aligned a little bit closer but i still think luke is the better fighter i think that if he learned the lessons uh that he should have in that wonder boy fight and you know works on that cardio you know put some put some miles in that he he should come out here and and land the harder shots throughout the three rounds or or probably get a knockout so i'm gonna go with uh luke for the win but you know we'll see his cardio worries me
0: Yeah, and, I mean, you mentioned the cardio. What worries me most is the striking defense. The guy just loves blocking punches with his face, and it's going to catch up to you. I mean, you saw the Mike Perry fight was too close for many people's likings. In the Wonderboy fight, man, that second and third round was really uncomfortable to watch how many shots he was taking. And with Nico Price, like I said, it's always been the same thing, but he's definitely putting on more size. He feels more confident inside the octagon. And one fight I want to refer back to is that Jeff Neal fight because unlike Vicente Luque... Jeff Neal doesn't really block punches with his face. Jeff Neal's got amazing footwork. He's an elusive guy, super fast. And Nico was still able to create that chaos in that Jeff Neal fight. Now, granted, he lost, but he did knock down Jeff at one point in that fight. So I'm not counting out Nico Price. I do think this is a dogger pass situation. I'm going to lean with Vicente based on the fact that we've seen them fight before and it wasn't even close, but I would be very careful at the betting window. Now, next up in the 185-pound division, we got a matchup between Ronaldo, Jacare, Souza. He's 26-8, and eight, and Uriah Hall is 15-9. and nine. Currently, they got Jacare, Souza, minus 135, and the comeback on Uriah Hall is plus 115. Well, Shaq, if this fight was happening a few years ago and you told me Jacare was, you know, slightly favored, but not by much, I'd be like, dude, uh, it's max bet season. But the thing is, he is 40 years old, However, he's still he's still a very tough guy. You can't count out a guy like Jacare. But with Uriah Hall, a lot of people say that he's been coming into his own now that he's at four to seven. May I? I do think he's been looking good. But at the same token, his last two wins, not to discredit them, they were great wins. But like he was getting beat by Bavon the entire time until he landed the, the kill blow. And against Carlos Jr., he got his back taken for eight minutes of those round of the the fight. So I was kind of wondering what happens if Jacare gets on his back it could be one takedown the fight shortly after but at space that's where Jacare needs to watch out so uh you think uh Uriah Hall is going to get the biggest win of his career
1: Yeah this is one of the more interesting fights in my opinion man it's a you know, like you said, if you would have said, you know, a couple of years back that Jacare is only minus uh, 30, 130 against Hall, I mean, he you, you would take that all day and he'd, he'd go out here and probably get the win. The thing I'm struggling with with this, fight, with this fight is Hall is one of these guys where, you know, like maybe five, seven years ago, we all thought he was going to be a world champion, this and that. And I, I, and, you know, the whole Fortis thing, yeah, he's only been at Fortis for one fight. And, you know, he was a big underdog to uh, Carlos Jr., so I will give him props on that one. Um, I'll get into that later. But, you know, I think that Jacare is washed up, man. I, like, I'm watching, you know, I watch his fights and I just, and, and you know, yeah, he, you know, he's out, he's got the name value and he's got the wins over Brunson who's knocked out Hall and you know i just feel like hall's one of these guys where uh, how he fights is you know kind of he's one of the few guys where it's kind of based on his personal life and what's what he's got going on outside the cage you know i felt for like the longest time this guy was a Jim hopper you know he was at rain he was at extreme couture he was with chill and then and i just feel like he's never really had any stable grounds and what i really think uh what kind of you know, changed Hall, in a sense, was that big weight cut uh, thing. You know, I, I forget who uh, – uh, man, who was it that was back there with him? But I heard some guys talking about it with Lynch, uh, James Lynch, and they were saying, man, it was scary. Like, Hall, you know, was pretty much dying in the sauna. And I think that was a big wake-up call for him to kind of get his act together, you know. So, you know, ever since that happened, I think he fought Jocko, Paulo Costa, uh, Bavon Lewis, and these and – and uh and quit face i mean uh, shoot and shoe face junior and uh you know i think that uh i think it is somewhat progressing in the right direction i mean i just think that if hall's life is is good on the outside then we can you know more than likely see some good fighting skills and i think the difference was with the carlos junior fight like you said most of the hall's fights that he wins i mean he gets his ass beat for the most part and then you know he, these guys get a little bit tired and then he uses that timing and they knocks him out but the carlos jr fight man he came out right away took that center of the cage and and was putting it on carlos jr and a hot take with uh this you know this whole you know if jacare gets on top of him and uh you know i've always felt like hall has underrated jujitsu man he's never been sub in his career and a hot take is i i know i ain't no jujitsu expert and I know that uh, Jacare's, you know, in terms of competition, Jiu-Jitsu, I'm not, I can't exactly say who has more medals between him and Carlos Jr., but just a hot take. uh, I wouldn't, you know, I think there's a a case to be made that Carlos Jr., in terms of MMA Jiu-Jitsu and in terms of uh, MMA grappling, might be a little bit more of a threat than Jacare. You know, I feel like that Jacare, when we really look at the guys that he subbed in the UFC, we're talking about Chris Camozzi twice you know, bomb, you know, Timbosh, <laughs> you know, these guys have been submitted multiple, multiple times, times. Uh but, but then, then time, you, you
0: said who? Musasi.
1: Yeah, yeah. Musasi. I mean, you know, Hall knocked out Musasi too. But uh but you know, I think that it, I don't want to say his ground game's a, a little overrated, but I just I think in M M A man he's more of a he likes to charge forward. He likes to use his size and strength to corner these guys and you know get a lot of knockouts. so, uh, and I just think that, man, if he tries that game plan with Hall, it's going to backfire here. And, you know, when he's seen him try to implement those game plans like the Gasoline fight where, you know, he comes out and he has gasoline fully mounted. You know, Gaslam got submitted by uh, Chris Wyman. You know, he comes out there, he has him fully mounted, and then, you know, he tries to rush things. And when that doesn't work, man, I see a guy that just completely falls down and I think that if he has to go through any type of adversity in this fight, I don't think he's going to win. I think that at his age right now, uh, it's just he's very like when we're, we're talking about a guy that got rocked by, you know, Chris Weidman and no offense to Chris Weidman, you know, former champion and, you know, this and that. But and I mean, Chris Weidman ain't known for his boxing and Jack Hermanson also rocked him and Jack Hermanson ain't known for his boxing as well i think if a hall hits him with those type of shots man he's gonna get knocked out you know of course uh, jacquard he, he better get the submission early but man if he's banking on that i personally think his best chance is to try to corner uriah and get an early knockout but man i think this is a possible trap fight i get it i think you know the lines low jacquard hall you know name value versus a guy that's been inconsistent but man i, I like the headspace halls and i think he's gonna come out here and knock jacaray out and get the biggest win of his career or one of the biggest wins of his career i just think that you know people are putting too much emphasis on him going to split with blackovich i i personally i feel like if that fight's in vegas is 4-1 Jan, uh his fight before that was against uh Hermanson, and you know, going into that fight, if you know, people are like, there's no way Jockeray loses to fucking Jack Hermanson, and what happened? He got fucking outclassed, and and you know, people say, oh, well, Hall's nowhere near the level of Jack. I I, I disagree, man, because I think that Hall has the skills, uh, has a well rounded skill set, it's just that his personal life on the outside has never been. You know, now he's training with people that actually care about him, man. He's You know, he's got a new best friend in span. You know, he, sometimes people need to be in situations like that. And, uh, I mean, I thought his performance against Paulo Costa, even though he hit the canvas hard, man, I actually thought it was a good performance. I thought he hit him with a lot of jabs. He even hit him with a nice double leg. Um, I think it was a, a good uh, performance to move forward on. And, you know, he took out Bavon Lewis, who at the time, I mean, bro, just between you and me, Uriah Hall is the reason why Bavon has looked like shit ever since then. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, Uriah Hall pretty much ended that kid's confidence, man. So I think that uh, Hall's going to come out here and get a knockout win. Of course, Jacare is Jacare. But I I just don't think he's going to submit him, man. I think that if that's that's what people are banking on, I think it's – I mean, Hall's never been submitted, man, so we'll see. But uh, I'm going to go with Hall by knockout.
0: Very compelling case for Hall. Uh, it's interesting, man, because, uh, you know, Jacare is obviously known for his jujitsu, but I-, I feel like his uh, his boxing is very underrated, too, you know. Uh, yeah, I said Jacare is known for his jujitsu, but the boxing is underrated, too. You've seen him go out there and knock people out before. I don't sleep on his head movement, either. But at the same time, he is getting up there in age, and we've seen in that Jan Blakovich fight, now there were things I liked and there were things I didn't like. I didn't like the fact that when the takedowns weren't working... Then, all of a sudden, he does the gas Brazilian, uh, and then he starts flopping to his back. And you start doing that here, it's going to be it's gonna be issues. But uh, one thing I did like, however, was that as soon as the bell rang, he went in and tried to shoot for a takedown, pinned him up against the fence. Now, granted, Jan Blakovic has come a long way in his takedown defense. You remember the first Corey Anderson fight, and then look at him now. The guy really patched up all these holes in his game. But if Jacare comes out here and with the same game plan, tries to take Hall down off the bat, I think he might have success doing so. It's just when they get in space, that's when he needs to watch out for you know, the one big shot, the straight right, the spin kick to the head, uh, all these things. So while the knockout is certainly a possibility for Hall, I'm going to say Jacare's got more paths to victory, and uh, I will take him here to win this fight. Next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Carla Esparza. She's 15 and 6, and Michelle de Karate Hadi Watterson is 17 and 7. Currently, they got Carla Esparza minus 155. The comeback on Michelle Watterson is plus 135. Well, Shaq, it's an interesting matchup. I kind of thought it was going to be a pick-em. Uh, it seems like there's a little bit of juice on Carla Esparza. You agree with this line, or you think it should be a little tighter?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting fight. Uh, I was, you know, a little bit surprised myself to to see, uh, you know, some of the conviction, you know, in Esparza throughout the few weeks, um, especially coming off the last fight, I mean, I thought she won that fight, but I mean, I don't, you know, I I think Esparza's a tough chick, but man, I've had, I've kind of had to learn my, my lesson with, with Watterson in the past as well in situations like this, you know, with these slight chalk lines going against her, I mean, she's got a Got a good history in, in spots like this, man. Um, I think Esparza's gritty, you know, probably a little bit grittier. But I think, man, Watterson has really good tactics. I think that – I do think Esparza's improved, but I don't think she's improved to the to the extent that people, you know, are, are saying. You know, I think uh, – I think yeah, she's added a right hand to her game. But I mean I I think that Watterson has very underrated wrestling. Uh I think that Waterson, you know, can frustrate her on the outside with the sidekicks and if Carla, you know, likes to rush forward with that little sidestep thing that she does and I think it's a recipe for her to get head and arm thrown And I mean, Carla gets taken down a, a lot in her fights, man. Um so man, I I think this is a typical, you know, female strawweight fight that's gonna be one to one going into the third round. Um, but man, I'm gonna go with Watterson just based on the fact that man, I think that she can really frustrate Esparza on the outside, uh, you know, get off to a good start. Uh kinda kinda like a, a little weasel job here, man. I I, I like Esparza, but I I this like when you look at Watterson's history in spots like this, she usually comes through. Um I just think that she's going to frustrate her with that movement, that lateral movement that the, you know, the head kicks. And like I said, I think she's got underrated wrestling herself. Um, as tough she's gritty so it wouldn't surprise me if she if she eked out the win either but in fights like this where i think it's going to be 1-1 going into the third or or maybe even watterson gets up two rounds and loses the third round i'm gonna go with the underdog here man i'm gonna go with karate Hadi. i think that she's got more t- tr- uh tricks up her sleeve and not to mention man i know that karate Hadi 's training never got interrupted i know they got the gym at the crib so you know i think that uh watterson's gonna come out here do her thing and you know, I feel like Watterson was looking the best she ever had, but hey, man, she she, she lost to Ioana and Jacek. You know, Ioana's top two or three still, in my opinion. Uh, so I think that Watterson is getting uh, undervalued here like she get like she typically does in, in a lot of her fights. So I'm going to go with Watterson.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on this one, man. Um, solely for the fact that I also think this fight should be a, a pick-em. And uh, so with that being said, you know, you got to go with the dog odds if you were to make a bet on this. Also, everyone was acting like Alexa Grasso got robbed her last fight. And all those same people are picking Carla here. Now, look, Carla has definitely improved her boxing. The takedowns uh, have always been on point. With Michelle Waterson's since the sidekick, the head and arm throw. I mean, I just see this being a very close fight. So in situations like that, I'll lean towards the dog and uh, we'll see what happens. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Fabricio Vaicavallo Wardum, the former heavyweight champion. He's 23 and 8, and Alexei the Boa Constrictor Olinik is 58 and 13. Currently they got Fabricio Vaicavallo Wardum minus 330. The comeback on Alexei Olinik is plus two seventy. Uh Shaq, it's interesting because both guys are known for their jiu-jitsu, they got very different styles of jiu-jitsu. I mean, Alexei Olenek uh, is known for going out there in schoolyard, headlocking these guys. He did it to Mirko Krokop back in the day. And Fabrizio or Doom has the historic submissions over Kane, over Fedor back when they were both champions. Coming off a bit of a suspension, uh, you think these two are going to stand and trade until one man falls, or do you think we will see the amazing ground game of both?
1: Yeah, man, it's, a, it's an interesting fight because, uh, you know, Fabricio's coming off the suspension. But, man, I obviously it's heavyweight. You know, Alexi can never count on a guy like him out. And, you know, I do think it's lined a little wide, but I still got to pick Fabrizio, man. He's the better striker. Alexi is reckless out in space and, you know, makes a ton of mistakes. I'll never forget that uh, that Overeem fight, man. Uh, I don't know what the fuck that was. But, uh, you know, Fabricio Verdun, you just got to be careful, man, because sometimes... You know, with guys like him coming off, how many steroid suspensions? Is this his first one or his second one? first one but you know he, he's he you know he's been he's been a steroid user his whole career but you know uh you just got to be careful sometimes man because it's heavyweight but I, I think Fabricio should come out here and get the win he's the far better the better striker um but man towards the end of Fabricio's you know last stint, man the Tybura fight I really wasn't that impressed with I mean I mean, pretty much Fabricio made everyone think Tybura had some potential uh and you know then the, the Volkov fight I mean he kind of went on a, a mini-suicide mission right there. So, you know, I think that uh, I'll pick Doom, you know, to come out here and probably capitalize on one of Alexi's mistakes. And we know that he's got the, the ground game to deal with the Alexi's uh, 50 so, – how many submissions? 40, 50?
0: Yeah, like 52 off the top 50, of my
1: head. Uh, 52 submissions. But uh, I'm going to go with Verdoom, But I do think it, it should be, you know, a little bit closer to, to, um, to where it opened at.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting fight, and Werdum's uh, a wild man. You know, as soon as the ref says go, this guy runs across the cage, usually throws jumping sidekicks to the face, uh, knock guys out with flying knees before. Obviously, his Muay Thai is on point. You've seen uh, the work he's done with master Rafael Cordero throughout the year, so I really feel like he's improved that part of his game. I mean, that performance, that championship-winning effort against Kane Velasquez, he fucked his ass up uh, in that tie clinch and then, you know, capitalized on a takedown attempt with the guillotine. And with Alexi, I think his path to victory in this fight is not the Ezekiel choke, is not the schoolyard headlock. It's got to be an overhand right, a left hook. He's got to go out there and touch the chin of Doom if he wants to win this fight. But I think his chin is going to get touched first, so I'm actually going to go with uh, Fabrizio are Doom here to win this fight inside the distance. Now, main event of the prelims, we got a rematch between Donald Cowboy Cerrone, he's 36-14, and and Anthony Showtime Pettis is 22-10. Currently, they got Anthony Showtime Pettis, minus 135. The comeback on Donald Cerrone is plus 115. Well, Shaka, this is the rematch. Uh, Firstly, the kind of shape Pettis used to be in in 2013 when they fought the first time, man, dude was glowing. He just looked untouchable. Nowadays, my boy Showtime's got a gut, uh, especially at 170. And he'll always be an incredibly talented guy. But it just ain't the same guy as the world champion with the 18-2 and two record, jumping off the cage, kicking Benson Henderson's head into the fifth row. What Pettis accomplished in this sport can never be taken away from him. The WEC belt, the Showtime kick, the UFC belt, the UFC finishes, the Wheaties box. But I think we can all agree that he's been hit or miss since the RDA fight. And the difference in the way Pettis and Cerrone loses. we all know Cerrone is a slow starter. And if the cowboy doesn't get the old engine revving fast enough, he'll lose to a quick starter in the first round. With Pettis, it's a little bit different. Pettis will take the whooping for pretty much an entire fight, minus, you know, a few kicks, a cartwheel kick here and there, a a Superman punch, stuff like that. The Barboza, Holloway, Poirier, Ferguson, Diaz, and Diego Ferreira fights were all extremely one-sided. So Pettis needs to get off to a quick start, but my biggest question here is: Can he consistently do enough damage to Cowboy because uh, he's going to need to to win this fight? And again, this ain't the jumping off the cage Pettis that fought Cowboy the first time seven years ago. And we all know every fight is different. And I like the short notice uh, for a uh, Cowboy Cerrone. I like the fact that there's no audience. It's not you know there's always pressure with every fight, but it's not that. You know, McGregor fight week pressure. And I'll take it a step further. You know, I know that Cowboy Cerrone is coming off three straight losses. But I would personally argue that he would have lost to Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, and Conor McGregor at any point throughout his career. So, I actually think this is a good spot for... uh, Cowboy to come out here and avenge the loss. I think if he avoids taking a fight-ending blow in the early going, he will eventually begin to take over the fight, mix in takedowns along the way and either edge a decision or finish Pettis uh along the way. So, I think this fight should be a pick 'em. So, I'm going with uh Donald Cowboy cerrone to avenge that brutal loss to Anthony Pettis here in Jacksonville, Florida, Shaq.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, I pretty uh, you know, I agree with a lot of things, man. I think people are kind of Overblowing this whole you know interview he had uh that he had uh you know last week uh i mean it's cowboy guys i mean the guy takes an ass whooping and comes back all the time man uh and hasn't yeah, he been like saying said, that mean, shit
0: for years too you said what
1: hasn't he been saying shit like that for years yeah i really look into it that much i think look i think i a, when pettis's last fight i kind of went in on him uh I you know I did bet on Diego Ferreira and the reasons why I said man this guy this guy hasn't evolved and I, don't, I just don't think he's tough man I think you know I said some other things that he was the biggest you, you know you know what in MMA but I just think that Quit time I mean Showtime Pettis is you know uh, is pretty much has nothing sustainable I think he's you know, a flashy fighter, of course he can. I think all he has is the flashy finish. You know, if he comes out here and catches Cowboy with a head kick and, and Cowboy goes down, then hey, props to him. But if this fight hits round two or if Cowboy does what he should do, which my boy Save Sayu did, which I, I kind of figured he was going to do like Poye did and, uh, you know, well, Ferguson didn't really do it. But, you know, just come out here and shoot a double leg on the kid and sink his heart. You know, I think he should, uh, honestly, I think he should dominate Pettis, man. Uh, You know, I know he's coming off three losses, but what what do you think Gaethje would do to Showtime Pettis, man? He would absolutely knock his head off into the fifth row or, you know, we already saw what Ferguson did to him, and then what about the Nate, D- the Nate Diaz? Perform- uh, the Nate Diaz performance he had was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. You know, ever, man. I thought that was a horrendous performance. I thought he got beat up to a point by a guy that arguably looked slow and sloppy, and yeah, I mean, he was gassed out two minutes into that fight, man. So I think that people are overreading this a little bit. Of course, Showtime did knock out Wonder Boy, and you know, the uh submitted Michael Chiesa. Uh, you know, Michael Chiesa damn near had to go to the hospital the day before the fight. But you know, I think that Pettis. Uh, I think I got respect for the legend. So when I say these things, I you know don't don't read into them too much. I think he he's accomplished a lot of good things, but man, I really think he's soft in 2020. Man, I think that uh, he you know he's got nothing sustainable. Um, I think Cowboy Cerrone. If Cowboy Cerrone can just get to the second second round, kind of similar to the Hernandez fight, I think you're gonna really start to. And I just don't think he should have anything to fear here, man. He's not in a, in a you know, on one of the biggest pay per views here, you know, uh, with McGregor or fighting a a young Lions like Gaethje and uh, you know Ferguson, who's on a twelve fight win streak, man. I think he should come out here feel safe. You know, the crowd ain't going to be cheering. uh, You know, I think he should have less things going through his head. And, I mean, this whole, you know, uh, yeah, retirement's near. Retirement's near for both of them, man. Trust me on that on Pettis, man. Pettis, uh, I don't think Pettis really, like, wants to, like, necessarily fight, man. I just think Pettis is interested in making some money for his businesses. And, you know, I think that, uh, of course, he loves to fight and, and he'll do it. But there's no, you know... This is just a a fun thing for him now, man. Same, similar with Cerrone, but I I still think Cerrone has a little bit more pride about himself, man. As you can see by the by the uh you know I mean. I know the the fight got stopped in the Ferguson when he blew his nose, but there's been countless amount of times where quit time, I mean uh, showtime, Pettis has gone out there and quit the Poye fight, the Ferguson fight. Oh, I broke my hand. Oh, you know this and that, man. So I think if he can get get to the second round, I think God, this is Cowboys fight for the taking. So I'm gonna go with uh, Cerrone to to win a a 29-27 decision. You know, Pettis might, you know, Cerrone might. He's a slow starter. He kind of Looks a little shitty in the early rounds, but, man, if he can just settle in and get to the second round, I think the Muay Thai kickboxing is going to, co- uh, you know, come into factor here. And Pettis is going to start backing up like he always does, looking for a home run shot. And, you know, and, and I really hope Cowboy just plays this smart and, and decides to wrestle the kid, because if he does that, then I, I see it being a landslide victory.
0: And uh, I heard a rumor. I don't know if there's any truth to this. That this is actually Anthony Pettis' last fight on his contract. So there's a chance he may be joining his brother uh, in Bellator soon. Uh, I know they they definitely want that. So time for the main card. Heavyweight division. We got a matchup between Greg Hardy. He's five and two. Between uh, you and me, Shaq, uh, He's seven and one. And Jorgon de Castro is six and zero. Currently, they got. Greg Hardy minus two ten. The comeback on Jorgon de Castro is plus one seventy five. Uh Shaq, I like both these guys. They've both come a long way in my eyes. I mean, we've seen Greg Hardy since his pro debut on Contender Series compared to his last fight where he went the full three round distance with the number five heavyweight on planet Earth. Uh, I feel like he's been progressing with Jorgon de Castro. I'm a fan of his too. I mean he cashed a nice underdog bet for me against Justin Taffa. This is a completely different matchup. Who you got?
1: Yeah, this is another one of the more intriguing ones because, uh, you know, I kind of have a hard time really gauging where DeCastro's really at, man. I think that is two performances that we've seen in the Alton Meeks fight where he blasted him with the low kicks. I mean, he's de- for a big belly guy, man, he's definitely uh, athletic. Um, and then the the fight with Taffa, you know, uh Taffa squared his stance moving forward. Taffa is a young kid, four and all made a, a a fatal mistake and got and paid the price for it. You know, Hardy on the other hand is more so of what I call a self-inflictor. You know, Hardy is uh, you know, his own worst enemy. And I think that the one thing I can say about Hardy, man, is you know, compared to the beginning of his career where he had just come out here and rush, rush things. I mean now He's kinda he's kinda fighting like a point fighter now, man. He's kinda come out, coming out here, he's popping the jab, he's staying patient. The Sasali fight, man, even though it's Ben Sasali and Ben Sasali's, you know, uh you know, a bottom dweller of the heavyweight division, uh, the first two rounds is a very uh good it's just that Greg kinda I think he's a little bit mentally weak, you know. I think that uh you know, that inhaler thing was just a sign of, was a sign of that, you know. Um uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of his coach's fault as well, man. Like how, like how can you let the guy use an inhaler <laughs> in a fist fight? But uh, I mean, man, I don't want to say because I think that Greg has just been rushed up in a spot where he, he hasn't been ready for. Ready for. But his athletic traits, uh, you know, can get him by. But I think that the skills are improving. His approach to MMA, he's learning. I mean, obviously to me, he's, I mean, just to the fact that he went three rounds and I know he got to- to- absolutely tortured by uh, Drago Volkov. I mean, a lot of, you know, Fabricio, I don't like using MMA math, but Fabricio over Doom couldn't couldn't withstand that torture. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think that uh, Greg is definitely improving. It's just, I think that this fight is really going to determine whether Greg is more so, you know, just a hit or miss or... But if he wins this fight, man, this will really solidify him. And De Castro is—he's still a mystery to me, man. Because you know, I I, I like the Tafa fight. I I definitely think he's got good timing, you know, good right kicks. Um, and I'm interested to see what happens if Greg—if he can, you know, get off on some uh, leg kicks on Greg. But what I noticed in that Tafa fight, man, you know, after some clinch exchanges, man, he kind of—he kind of was looking a little bit tired, man. So you know, I I, I think that. I have a, I have a feeling even though Greg used an inhaler in the middle of a fight, uh, I have a feeling that De Castro can slow down. I have a feeling that in the late rounds he can be really gassed, and I think that if if, the, if Greg can avoid that big uh, that big bomb from from De Castro and get this into the late rounds and use that, I think he's got a six inch reach advantage if the, in this fight if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's got an 80 inch reach and pops that jab and you know makes Yorgon uh, you know use a lot of energy. I think he can possibly outclass Yorgon de but man, I, I like de Castro's energy. I like his story. You know, these guys from these these poor uh, countries, man, they got a lot of heart, a lot of spirit. So it wouldn't shock me. It's heavyweight as well, but man, I, I gotta go with Greg. I just think that if Greg continues to to learn more about the sport, and I know he's having these crazy results and these mixed results, and I really like, from going from a guy that just came out and rushed a bunch of fights, and then to now, like, he's, like, actually, the first round of the Sosali fight, like, actually executing a, a really good game plan with the jab and moving around, and in the Volkov fight, I, I didn't think it was a bad performance either, man, I, I thought he hung in there, uh, he broke his hand in that fight, and, you know, he hit Volkov with some shots as well, I, I think that Greg still got the higher ceiling, and I know that a lot of people are, you know, saying he's a complete fraud, and then, which might, which, which might be the case if he gets knocked out, but, because uh, I, I, I have a feeling that De Castro is one of these guys that might might be able to rise to the occasion, man. You know, he's from a very small country and and he's got a lot of pride. But I'm a, I'm gonna go with Hardy, man. I just think that he the six inch reach advantage, and even though I don't know this 100%, I just have a feeling that if DeCastro gets into the late rounds, that he's gonna start to slow down. So I'm gonna go with the uh, Greg Hardy.
0: Yeah, look, uh, DeCastro, obviously, I like the guy for the reasons I mentioned. You know, he did come through for me against Taffa. But more than that, man, you know, if you look at his amateur history, you know, the guy actually had a losing amateur record, interestingly enough. And then he, uh, he moved to Boston, and now he's really been doing his thing, man. And also, that contender series fight, he actually fought NFC veteran Alton Meeks, who we saw win a fight in the NFC and uh, DeCastro ran through that guy. The leg kicks were thunderous. The guy kicks like a mule, Then obviously you saw his hands in the Tafa fight. But with Hardy, like I already mentioned, we've literally seen his entire MMA uh, pro career. I mean, we saw his debut on Contender Series compared to his last fight where he went three rounds with the number five guy on planet Earth. And Shaq, I actually thought he looked really good in that first round, uh, but then he broke his hand and kind of got picked apart the next two. But if that first round was any indication of you know, future performances. I think that this guy does have a bright future. I love the fact that he's popping that jab, the footwork. He's so athletic and he's not rushing things like like he was early on in his career. He's starting to be more patient. I feel like he is starting to learn the game. I like Yorgon's mindset. I like, you know, his story is amazing. The guy seems like a really cool dude and I think that he's going to have a long career, but I'm going to go with Hardy here. I think the athleticism will be too much, the size, even the UFC experience at this point. So I'm going to go with Greg Hardy to get this done. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Jeremy Lil and Stevens. He's 28 and 17. And Calvin, the Boston finisher, Cater, is 20 and 4. Currently, they got Calvin Cater minus 250. The comeback on Jeremy Stevens is plus 210. Well, Shaq, look, I really wish this was line to pick him like that Yair Rodriguez fight or, you know, plus 105 Calvin like Yair was. But I think people have kind of smartened up and they realize that, you know, it's the same Jeremy Stevens uh, it's always been. in. People keep mentioning that Jeremy needs to come out here and use his leg kicks to win this fight. Look, firstly, Jeremy's nowhere near as fast as Moicano, who beat Stevens too, by the way. Uh, I think if Jeremy tries to come out here with a leg kick game plan, uh, he's going to get countered with a straight right down the pipe. I think he's too slow to come out here and do that. But the thing that makes this fight interesting for me is that Calvin loves to stand in the pocket and trade and... That's like the one area where Jeremy has a chance. So Jeremy will have the chance to land that one big blow throughout the fight. It's just I personally don't think he's going to, but there are openings. You know, sometimes Calvin likes to throw that uppercut. You know, hook counters are definitely open. We've seen it, uh, you know, throughout his career. But Calvin's the sharper guy, the longer guy, the faster guy, the more athletic guy. The guy that has uh, you know, more left in the tank, in my opinion, he's just better than Jeremy Stevens. But once again, uh, he's going to give Jeremy the kind of fight he wants. Like I don't think Calvin's going to come out here and shoot takedowns or you know, do any shit like that. I think he's going to stand and bang with Jeremy Stevens. And I simply think he's better. I think he's going to pop him with a jab. Maybe even mix in leg kicks of his own, which people don't expect. But I mean, I know you saw some of those kicks he landed against Feely. Uh, he, he's thrown some kicks uh, in his career. People forget about that, but bottom line i think calvin's too sharp for jeremy it's just uh just he's got to be cautious in this one because his fighting style does present jeremy with the chance jeremy needs to win the fight but i'm going calvin
1: yeah you know he makes some good points you know this is another one i thought was interesting because you know yeah i agree stevens is you know somewhat washed up and you know slow and This and that. But, man, I was surprised. I was expecting this to be line like, you know, kind of like him versus Lamas, you know, minus 140, you know, uh, you know, somewhere in that range. But hey, they they came out and had that conviction and and Qatar was going to win this fight. Um, And I, you know, I think he's going to win as well. It's just, you know, I think that Stevens has very is very durable. I think that he's uh, got very good cardio, very good pressure. And like you said, if it just comes down the pocket in the pocket skills, I definitely think Qatar is better. But I mean, he is going to try to beat Stevens at a at a game where most people try to avoid Stevens. And, you know, so uh, it's going to be very interesting. I think Calvin's one of the better boxes. But, and, and, you know, just watching Calvin, you know, this whole top five thing. Look, he ain't no top five. guy. <laughs> I think that that's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, I think that Calvin's a, a bit one dimensional. Um, but that one dimension is definitely elite, in my opinion, is boxing. Um, but I'd like to see Calvin, you know, mix it up a little bit more. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like there's two different Calvins, you know. I feel like Calvin, you know, that's why I like. I think he's going to win this fight with Stevens because Stevens likes to, to pressure and move forward a lot. I, I, You know, in fights like against Burgos where he had to back up a lot and fights against Fishy where he had to back up a lot uh, you know, he he was able to get the knockouts in those. Um, but you know, know, when Calvin has to move forward, like, you know, like how he was kind of chasing like around a little bit, like, like he was a beat, but those guys aren't a different, both of those guys beat Stevens, uh, beat, beat, uh, uh, Qatar as well. But I think that it could be lined a little bit closer, man. I, or maybe I wish it was lined closer, but, but man, I, I think that Calvin is not on the level of, of a Zabit and Yair and, you know, those guys are super dynamic and, you know, throw a bunch of different... Having an arsenal, and array of kicks and, you know, uh, as where Calvin is just going to come in here with the hands. Now, his hands are great. It's just, you know, Steven, his back's against the wall. I mean, he's got... He's got, he's not going to get cut by any means, but, I mean, he's going to... He he has to, he wants to lose four in a row. Has he lost four in a row on his career? I know he's lost three in a row before, but, you know, four in a row... Uh, I know, I know he's coming out here hungry for the win. And I, you know, I can't say Stevens is necessarily done. Like I can say with, you know, a, a it's just because the fact that Stevens is still, you know, somewhat, at least he's winning around against some of these guys, but he still hasn't he, Stevens is like a vet that he still fights uncomposed at times, man. And, you know, he, he's in there talking uh, with beat and, and you saw how he was acting with Yair. And, and uh, let's not forget the, the Jose Aldo fight where he had Jose hurt and then completely lost it and gassed out and got finished with the body shot. Things where I don't think you'll see Calvin calvin do so i think calvin actually has the composure edge i mean you know if you beat calvin you're just better than him you know so I uh, i think that i'm gonna pick calvin for a win but he needs to come out here with the mindset of taking this to the cards man if you look at steven's steven's records when it goes to the cards i mean it's it's under 500 considerably so you know i, I think that uh if calvin comes out here with that mindset uh i think you should get the win here but man i wish it was lying closer to like the llamas fight man i'm surprised I do as
0: well. Now, heavyweight division in the featured bout, we got a matchup between Francis and Ganu. He's 14 and 3, and Jerzinho Rosenstrike is 10 and 0. Currently, they got Francis and Ganu minus 265. The comeback on Jerzinho Rosenstrike is plus 225. Well, Shaq, it's interesting because a lot of people are saying that this fight is going to be like the Derrick Lewis fight. I personally disagree. I think Jerzinho Rosenstrike, uh, has a completely different style than Derek Lewis. Uh, I think both these guys hit like trucks. Uh, you think uh, someone's going to take a canvas nap, or is there a chance this goes the full three-round distance, Shaq?
1: Yeah, I know Stipe Miochik is looking forward to this fight. I know he's going to have on, you know, he's going to be at the fire station with his Suriname hat on and a Suriname uh, T-shirt on cheering for Rosine Strike to come out here and get the upset so he can so he can fight him instead of Nganu. But, you know, um, you know, Francis is the favorite and rightfully so he's ever since, uh, you know, this, those two fights that he had, the one with Lewis and Stipe, uh, I, I think that we know what happened there, man. Hollywood got to him. His head got to him. I mean, Dana even said it. He said this dude started missing all his treatments. He started <laughs> missing practices. Like this dude was flying around the country and, you know, he, he wasn't even, uh, you know, showing up, you know, so. I think that he learned his lesson from that. He's definitely looked great, took out some of the, the greatest heavyweights of all, all time along the way, and Curtis Blades. This fight is a little bit risky, because Rosenstrike is a guy, man, it's not even his power, it's more so the timing. It's it's like his jabs are so good, man. I mean, you saw him knock out a guy with a jab, and you know, Arlowski got knocked out in 29 seconds. You know, and that was based off a of jab, man. So Francis, it's one of these games where like Francis, I I know he's never utilized this game plan, but I'd almost tell Francis, like, bro, let's just wrestle this fucking guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's not even, cause I'm telling you, man, with a guy like Rosine Strike, even though Rosine Strike is prone to some overhand rights as well, he's such an experienced striker that playing. Playing a game like that with him is very, very risky, man, because he's got the timing down pat. You don't see many guys that hurt guys with jabs, man. So that's that's one thing I noticed in this game. But the other parts in this game needs work, man. His clinch game needs work. His, his wrestling needs work. Um, the Overeem fight, you know, people are saying it was an early stoppage or, you know, if uh, – you know, that Overeem was winning was what which he, I mean, he was up three to one, but at the same time, the fight's five rounds, man. So, you know, the fact that Rosine Strike did that, man, I, you know, I picked him to win that fight, but Rosine Strike's one of these guys, man, he could, he could possibly be like, you know, a guy that we, we, you know, we don't see coming, um, of course, I like Francis to come out here and get the win. I think he's the better fighter for sure, but I do think he's taking somewhat of a risk in this matchup. But uh, I mean, it's not like he had an, a lot of leverage, and A already said he doesn't want to fight him, so he has to he has to take another fight. um It's just, I mean, this is a, it's going to be a dick measuring contest, man. I, Francis is going to come out here try to try to. I don't believe this whole shit that you know they're going to be scared, man. I I, I like Ro- I like energy, but I think Francis is the better fighter, has more tools to win, and I really hope that his coaching staff comes in here with a tie-up game plan and then knock him out, man. Because Rosenstrike's clinch game needs a lot of work, and his ground game needs a lot of work as well. I'm sure it's improvement improving. He's at ATT, but you know that's the that's where I think Enganu can capitalize. We've seen him hit uh, Kamara's in the past. He submitted Arlovsky, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Anthony Hamilton. My bad. But I, I I do think those things are in his repertoire for him to get the win if he wants an easy win. Now if he wants to stand out here in space and you know you know see who, whose dick's bigger and, and you know then he's he's playing with fire, man. Because like Rosenstrike seven, I think he was like seventy six and six in kickboxing with like fifty something knockouts. Uh, this guy's timing is really good, and Francis is the hardest hitter in the division, so he can knock out Rosenstrike as well. But uh, it just depends on how he chooses to go about it. I'm going to take Francis, but I don't want to say it's dog or pass, you know, because Francis has been coming out here. and But these guys that he's has be beating are fucking done, man. We're talking about JDS, uh, fucking the ghost of Cain Velasquez, you know, Curtis, Curtis Blades. And we always know that he's been scared of Francis his whole life, man. So, you know, uh, I'll take Francis, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, no, you bring great points about uh if Francis wants to come out here and, you know, shoot some takedowns or clinch him up and people are going to be like, "Well, Francis isn't known for that." Well, is Junior Albini known for his great takedown ability, you know what I mean? And Junior Albini was able to easily take him down. But I got to give uh Jair Rosenstrike a lot of credit in the sense that even though his takedown defense needs a ton of work, his uh, submission defense seems pretty good. Like, he doesn't freak out on the ground. Kind of just, you know, takes his ass open like a man. Doesn't take too much damage. Doesn't, you know, give up the openings for submissions. But at the same time, he's losing rounds off his back. He doesn't get back up either. So, it's a double-edged sword. And I like Jair Rosenstrike. strike. Look, I like the fact that he didn't shake Overeem's hand during the face-off. Uh, the dude means business. He's a great counter-striker. The kick returns are so quick. It's just like muscle memory when the guy does it, uh... The issue, like we mentioned, is uh, the takedown defense, so he's got to worry on that. It might not be too big of a factor here, but Ngannou uh, has been inside the octagon many times now, so I'd love to see him uh, switch things up, but he can't abandon what got him to the dance either, because the sound of the crack when Ngannou lands is unlike anything I've ever seen before in my life. I mean, you cringe when you hear those shots he uh, landed on JDS. I mean, it was just like, oh man, and... This won't be like the Lewis fight for a lot of reasons. Look, he was coming off the Stipe fight uh, when he fought Lewis. His confidence was completely shot. Whereas right now, he's on a three-fight win streak. Confidence is sky high. So I simply think it's a different point in Francis Ngannou's career. And I think he's going to come out here and shine. And I'm not going to be surprised if he actually knocks out uh, the former kickboxer, Jerry Rosenstrike. Co-main event in the evening in the Bantamweight division... We got Henry, the messenger Cejudo, the bantamweight and flyweight champion. He's 15-2. and two. And Dominic Cruz is 20-2. Currently, they got Henry Cejudo, minus 230. The comeback on Dominic Cruz is plus 190. Uh, man, I cannot wait for this fight. So this whole thing about Henry Cejudo calling out legends and, you know, people giving him shit for it, for it is absolutely ridiculous. Like, guys, he beat DJ TJ, and Marlon Moraes. he deserves his choice at a legacy fight, not to mention the fact that as much as I love Peter Yan and Corey Sandhagen, none of those guys have even headlined a fight night and you want them to get a title shot, like guys stop, they'll get their title shot soon enough, but when you talk about a champ's mindset and championship adjustments, uh, you talk about Henry Cejudo. When you watch that first DJ fight and you compare it to the second fight, I mean, it's night and day. His physicality, his composure, it's not even the same guy. Then he goes out there, beats TJ Dillashaw in record-breaking time, and I thought he made an all-time championship adjustment versus Marlon Moraes. And, you know, Marlon's a guy that you've seen, uh, you know, people will reference how Marlon was getting the better of him early. Have you guys ever watched Marlon Moraes fight before? Aljamain Sterling couldn't overcome those kicks. Jimmy Rivera couldn't eat a clean one and keep walking forward. Rafael Asuncao didn't make it out the first round. Then you have Henry Cejudo eats every single hard shot from Marlon Moraes, who knocked everyone else the fuck out with those shots. And then it's Henry that puts the pressure on Marlon Moraes and knocks him out. So I think people need to put some uh, respect on Henry Cejudo's uh, name. And listen, uh his world-class strength and conditioning program from Neuroforce 1 and Fight Ready. People don't have any clue about Neuroforce 1. It's the secret weapon here. And he's had full access to Neuroforce 1 during this quarantine. And those guys, like, they they break the shit down to a science. It's unlike anything I've ever seen before. And also, since that first DJ fight, what about Henry's distance? Uh, what about Cejudo's new uh, stance? I mean, he kind of has that, like, Patricio Pitbull karate stance and... uh There's so many myths surrounding this fight. Like, people are saying, Henry just laid on Demetrius Johnson. Uh, Look, the reality is, Henry kept up with the fastest fighter in UFC history on the feet. And Cejudo was keeping up with the super speed of Mighty Mouse. And he did what he had to do to win the fight. Y'all know wrestling is allowed in MMA, right? (laughs) So... You know, if DJ uh, is really the GOAT, how come he couldn't get up from bottom? And that's that's no disrespect to DJ. I know he's an amazing fighter. But I just love how everyone conveniently leaves out the fact that Henry badly injured his ankle in the first minute of that fight. The guy rolls over his ankle. He's limping all over the place. And he's still dethroned Mighty Mouse Johnson. And y'all want to sit here and discredit him? I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. And look, Dominic Cruz... I'm not going to be one to use the layoff against him. I'm not going to use his age against him. Uh, And I also know Cejudo had a shoulder surgery. uh, And Cruz, who's known for always tearing his ACL, had a few upper body surgeries himself. So to me, those are all non-factors when I cap this matchup. Cruz is a former champion, a future Hall of Famer, the innovative footwork that changed the game. Back in the WEC, his early UFC run, I mean, the angles, the creativity, the fight IQ. It was truly ahead of its time. But Shaq, historically speaking, long-reigning champs don't come back to win their belt. And Cruz has already done it once, but there's a huge difference in scenarios. He didn't really lose his belt the first time. He was stripped for inactivity. This time, he's actually coming off losing his belt. And he didn't just lose Shaq, he got schooled by Cody Garbrandt in a way where people legit thought that was some once-in-a-lifetime athletic performance. No, guys, it was simply the end of an era. Cody Garbrandt dropped Cruz four times, and he should have knocked out Cruz on four separate occasions, but instead of, uh, pouncing and following up, he decides to point to the ground and do the robot. Look, no one ever said Cody Garbrandt was the brightest, but I'll tell you who won't dance around like an idiot if he drops Cruz. That's Henry Cejudo. He will pounce, he will follow up, and come May 9th in Jacksonville, Florida, Henry Cejudo will finish the great dominant Cruz
1: yeah man I mean I couldn't have said it better mi- <clears throat> I couldn't have said it better myself I mean I think that you know all respect I mean look I, I'm, I actually pred- I actually bet on Cruz to come back off the layoff and and, uh, and beat De shop uh, because I mean you could I mean I know that you know that classic interview where he was telling uh, TJ how fake he was and how he was turning on his brothers. this is when the whole you know alpha male TJ uh, thing was going down. And, you know, that was a good point. I mean, he never lost his belt, man. And I just I like how people are, you know, just shoving in that last fight to the side like it never happened. Or, you know, that was that was smart Garbrand, or that was, you know, the, the good Garbrandt um, guys. Garbrandt was acting like a fucking idiot the entire time. It's just Cruz was acting like more of an idiot. I mean, in the lead up to the fight, he was acting more like an idiot at the face-offs, he was acting more like an idiot, uh, and in the fight, he got super emotional, he got carried away, and when those type of things happen, man, that can make or shape the the landscape of your career, and to be honest with you, man, you know, he comes back, and he, uh, you know, has wins the first three rounds against Dillashaw, I think Dillashaw was really red-zoned, uh, redlining in that fight, I mean, he was just, you know, angry and fought emotional the first three rounds, but we saw what happened in the last two rounds, he was able to Start tracking him down and really hurting Cruz with some low kicks, and you can see Cruz's body start to fail on him, man. And then you go in the Faber fight. I mean, um, real quick, what, what's Faber's? Uh, is Faber a threat in a title fight? I mean, <laughs> what's Faber's record in title title fights? It's a, it's a fucking, it's fucking way under five hundred, man. It's so fucking. Uh, and then we go into the Garbrandt fight, and I think Cruz got so emotionally carried away in that fight to a point that. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be able to recover. Now he's coming off another three-year layoff, and it's one thing to come back, but I really think he should have took a tune-up fight first, man. But I, I understand, man, when you win as much as he as he does, and and you you know you're a long reigning champ. Sometimes you're in denial, man. It's like uh, you know a wide man a Ioana, uh, you know it's a. Uh, you know, they can't, they, you know, I'm, I'm a champion. I didn't, I didn't really lose, you know, <laughs> you know, they they don't understand. And I think Cruz is in way over his head in this fight, man. I think that Henry Cejudo is an all-time great, like you said, to just shove aside what he's done in these last three fights is one of the most foolhardy things I've ever come across in my entire life. I mean, Demetrius Johnson was out here dominating guys to a point where, you know, uh, I mean, no one ever thought he, no one ever thought he was gonna lose, and you know, just the fact that he, uh, you know, people are gonna counteract me and say, oh, did you not see what Dominic did to, did to, uh, did to DJ? Come on, guys! If we're gonna sit here and act like that was the same fight, I know they have the same name, but sit here and act like those two guys are the same fighter, man. Like, you know, I think people really need to just take their disdain from, you know, from the king of cringe and you know, and the antics. and, and all these other things, and just face the facts that this is an all-time great that we have on our hands. Um, I think Henry Cejudo, man, the improvements. You know, like you said, with the karate stance. Ever since he started training with the Pitbull Brothers. Uh, I mean, now he's coming out here using his distance, he's sniping these guys off, whether TJ Dilla I mean, bro, he knocked out a, a, a an, he knocked out EPO Shaw, a guy full filled with fucking EP, injectable EPO inside of him, and he knocked him out in, in 32 seconds, I mean, the EPO, the amount of EPO he had in him, he should have been able to keep going but Henry Cejudo's fucking too much of a dog, he's got too much power in his hands, and Cruz isn't giving him enough credit, I mean, I, I heard a an interview seven months ago where Cruz was saying he's still Henry's still green and he hasn't fought anybody and quote-unquote Marais gasses out bro if Marais kicked one of them little chicken legs of yours bro I don't know if you would be able to fucking stand like I, I really don't man I think that people aren't giving him enough cr- uh, credit for that win over Marlon Mar- Mar- Marlon Marais I mean, I know, you know, this fight with Peter Yan hasn't happened, but man, I, Marlon Moraes is a scary motherfucker with those kicks, man. And I don't, I think 90-something percent of the guys in the division, hey, didn't Marlon Moraes just beat the the great Jose Aldo? And didn't, didn't he suck it up in the third round and win, too? Like, you know, this whole Moraes gasses out thing, you know, like... Come on, bro! I think Dominic Cruz is in complete denial. I think he's in way over his head. He, like you said, he got dropped four times against Garbrandt, and the Faber fight, man, really wasn't that impressive. I actually there was a part in the fourth round where I actually thought Cruz kind of got wobbled a little bit. But you know, Uriah Faber's an old man who was who was coming off a, a win where he ba- like barely got by Frankie Signs, bro. Like, uh, and and then, so I think that. Uh, Dominic Cruz is just another case of the times have passed him by. I think this is a smart call-out from Henry. I think this is a tune-up fight for Henry. I think this is the easiest fight that he's had uh, in a while, in, when we consider the last three opponents. All those other guys were active. I think Cruz's timing is going to be off. I think his speed's going to be off. I think Henry's going to be healthy, the power, just the pressure, the dog. Not saying that Cruz isn't these things, but I, I just don't think Cruz is going to be able to fight at the level that he thinks he's going to fight at, man. I think. That he should have took one, you know, if he would have came and fought a Al Jermaine or a, you know a Jimmy Rivera like he was supposed to, but he broke his arm, you know. Um, I just think that Henry Cejudo will put Dominic Cruz down within two rounds, uh, and he's going to be the first guy to stop him with strikes. Cody Garbrandt could have been the first guy, but Cody, no, Cody was an idiot. Guys, no, man, Cody was in there dancing and and doing doing the fucking. Uh, I don't even know what that shit's called, you know, looking like one of the Jabberwockies or something, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> so, you know, I think that, uh, I think that, I just think Cruz isn't over his head, he doesn't know what he's getting him, getting himself into on Saturday night, all-time legend, I have, I am I'm a huge Cruz fan, man, but Henry Cejudo was an all-time great that we have on our hands, and 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 the fact that, you know, people are saying that he's avoiding, you know, he's trying to take you know, easy fights, you know, because the original matchup was Jose Aldo, like, bro, Jose Aldo ain't no easy fight, you know, and like you said in the beginning, what are we going to, Aljermaine Sterling, has Aljermaine Sterling even been on the main card of a pay-per-view, like, uh, bro, I oh, look, I like the kid, I think he's improved a lot, but come, come, come on, like, Algernon can't beat Henry, guys. You kidding me? Like, like uh, and scorey Sanhagen, I like the kid. I think he's a future title challenger, but bro, he ain't been on no pay-per-view yet. Peter, Peter Yan, Peter Yan's been on a pay-per-view, so Ian's the closest one. And if Yan takes care of Marais, then the title shot's his. But, bro, uh, Peter Yan ain't ain't main-evented a card yet, bro. Like, you can't just throw these guys on a pay-per-view. I think this fight makes all the sense, man. This is a uh, perfect—this is a strategic planning by Captain Eric and Henry. I think they come out here and and continue on that legacy and run through Dominic Cruz.
0: Man, Man. I'm very excited for that fight. Main event of the evening— for the interim lightweight belt, you got Tony Elkukui Ferguson. He's twenty-five and three, and Justin the Highlight Gaichi is twenty-one and two. Currently, they got Tony Ferguson minus one eighty-five. The comeback on Justin Gaichi is plus one sixty. Uh, Shaq, it's an interesting fight, man. Look, uh, just to give you an idea of Tony Ferguson's work ethic. I'll be chilling on IG at midnight, you know, getting ready to go to bed, and uh, guess who's going live at that time, hitting the speed bag and the jump rope, you know? Tony Ferguson. This guy is a workhorse, and when he says champ shit only, he truly means it, and I feel like this little moment I'm, re- I'm referencing, you know, like, going, you know, on IG at 1am and you see the guy still working, it truly exemplifies, uh, you know, this guy's champ mentality, and... Tony's pace is absolutely insane. I mean, he'll walk forward the entire time. And obviously we've known about his hands since back on tough, but what about this dude's front kicks? It's like a stab to the gut. And we also got to mention the footwork. He's consistently switching stances and giving his opponents all kinds of looks and different attacks to be worried about. And when people talk about his unorthodox training methods, I feel like they need to take their fan caps off and realize that he's only showing you what he wants you to see. He could just be having some fun days. Look, this ain't no Diego Sanchez with, yes, cartwheels and the guru, coach, massage therapist weirdo. Ferguson's the real deal. Longest win streak in lightweight history. Look, one doesn't simply go on a 12-fight win streak in the deepest division in the sport without being of champ shit only lineage. And how come no one talks about how Tony Ferguson threw a Showtime Superman punch at Anthony Pettis? How come no one talks about that Tony Ferguson was salsa dancing in the middle of a 25-minute cage fight in Mexico City Elevation versus Rafael Dos Anos? I truly believe Tony Ferguson is one of the most underrated fighters on the entire roster, and he's ranked number one. Now, for everything I love about his game, the elbows, the jiu-jitsu, the confidence, I do worry that at times when he's teeing off on his opponents, sometimes the chin does tend to lift in the air a bit and against a serious hitter like Justin Gaethje that could come back to bite him in the ass he needs to not eat one of those nukes to the chin uh, to stay in this fight and win it because look Gaethje's power doesn't discriminate and Justin Gaethje look every single fight this man has taken part in inside the octagon has ended via knockout with a performance bonus and Gaethje has an 100% bonus rate which is just an amazing thing Justin Gaethje sent out a tweet a while back saying, Tony, take me to that dark place of yours. And I think it's safe to say Saturday night in Jacksonville, Florida, Tony Ferguson will take Justin Gaethje to that dark place of his. And Gaethje used to want to be the most exciting fighter in the world, but now he wants to be a world champion. And that's a really scary thing. But the last point I want to make here, Shaq, is, Not to discredit any of Gaethje's performances, the guy is absolutely unbelievable and I do believe he will hold the belt one day, but these last few guys he's fought, look, Barboza and Cowboy, as much as I love both those guys, they're stationary targets, not to mention uh, Tony finished them both too, but they're both stationary targets, Tony is not a stationary target, Tony switches his stance, he's always moving with that footwork, so I don't think he's going to be as readily available for the nuke. And while I do think he's going to get caught with some big ones along the way, I don't think it's going to be just that easy target like Barboza was. And, you know, I know Vic's not a stationary target, but look, as much as I love Vic, Vic isn't a top five guy. That's just the bottom line. Now we're dealing with the creme de la creme of the lightweight division. And I love uh, Justin Gaethje. When you see a plus 160 next to his name, I mean, I understand why people would take that shot. The only issue is I know for me personally... If I have money against Tony Ferguson, Shaq, I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m. on fight day in a cold sweat knowing that I got money against the boogeyman, and I, I want no part of that. Uh, that guy will haunt your dreams, but on a serious note, I think if he does get past this early goal and doesn't eat that concussive blow that puts him out, I think he's going to start to pick apart Justin Gaethje. I think those front kicks to the gut, the jabs, the, the boxing, the body shots, uh I think Tony Ferguson is going to drown the very exciting Justin Gaethje in the late rounds, but, you know, obviously the early knockout is always a a factor for Gaethje, and I've seen Gaethje drown guys in deep waters in the World Series of Fighting, too, so I think his cardio will work in the late rounds as well, but I think Ferguson is, uh, I think this is Ferguson's time right now. I think Gaethje will touch the belt one day, not Saturday. I'm going Ferguson to win the interim belt once again and finally get that match with Habib.
1: Yeah, man, this is a it's a it's a great matchup, man, because, you know, you make some good points there saying, uh, you know, Gaethje, you know, his last opponents, you know, Cerrone and uh, Barboza being guys that uh, being guys that Ferguson finished as well. And, you know, and and that's factual. And uh, those guys, all these guys, you know. He definitely took care of before, and Ferguson, you know, he moves forward. But I'm struggling with this, man. I, I know Ferguson's got the rep of this, you know, drowning guys. and But to be honest, man, this last you know, to be honest, I think he's been drowning a bunch of mental midgets, man. I think that, uh, you know, Kevin Lee <laughs> – it wasn't ready for no title. That's who he got his first interim belt off beating. I know he was hot at the time. He had uh, beat Mike Chiesa, but Kevin Lee was not in any way, shape, or form ready for no title fight. Now, he, he did beat Dos Anjos, uh coming off his uh, title fight. That was a very impressive performance. Uh, I think he beat Josh Thompson before that. Um, but, man, I, I I feel as if like he... He is, you know, I mean, what he broke Pettis. I mean, congrats, like, (laughs) like big fight. He got fucking dropped in that fight. Um, and not to put like emphasis too much emphasis on it, but you know that it did happen. Uh, he got dropped by Kevin Lee as well. Uh, with the right hand but those guys don't have any composure Kevin Lee like I said had no business being in a title fight Anthony Pettis I mean who hasn't broke Anthony Pettis and the Cerrone fight although I I feel as if Ferguson was definitely winning and was good and did win and and we didn't get to see the third round I mean I felt like the fight was very competitive you know (laughs) Uh, you know uh, and that is most likely due to his awkward style and and, you know, his funkiness. But I think that his whole, you know, him drowning and breaking these guys is a little inflated to me. You know, I think uh, he's been, like I said, he's been drowning a bunch of mental mid- midgets, man. Pet, like, bro, oh, my God, he drowned Pettis. Like, <laughs> fucking, you know. Uh, but, you know, I think Gaethje, on the other hand, um, I think early on in his career you know, when we just talk about the first three fights, uh, Michael Johnson, Alvarez and Dustin, uh, man, I felt like the guy would kind of be in rush mode a little bit, uh, you know, and that's just kind of comes to getting his feet wet. You know, he's coming over as the hunted guy, you know, he's, uh, coming from a different promotion. He was able to take out number five, Michael Johnson, uh, in his first in his first fight uh, and Michael Johnson, you know, although Michael Johnson's got, you know, 30 some fights and he's lost damn near half of them. I mean, he does have wins over Ferguson and Dustin Poirier and Edson Barbosa as well. But, uh, you know, the Eddie and the Dustin fight, man, when, you know, going into the Vic fight, when everyone was saying that this kid's done, he'll he will never be anything. To be honest, man, I, I kind of gained stock for him in each of those in those two losses, man, because I know the Eddie fight he gassed out and and I, and I think that was a uh, he needed to make an adjustment in his style a little bit, in which I definitely see in the last three fights because I think that he is the hardest hitter in the division and I think that his power is super high percentage. I think that if the guy hits anyone on the chin that that makes consistent mistakes in the pocket. That he will knock them the fuck out, man. I think, I think that, uh, and and when we talk about Gaethje, we're talking a, about a guy that really doesn't take uh, any back steps. Now the 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 Poirier fight and the Alvarez fight, I felt like you know like those guys kind of showed a little bit of the blueprint. You know, like you were saying with those those front kicks of the body. You know, both of those guys were going to to Gaethje's body. Uh, Alvarez was digging in with some big body shots. Poirier as well and you know both those guys had to fight on one leg and what worries me is what happens if Gaethje starts getting in on, on those on those chicken legs of uh, of uh T-Ferg man I think that uh Pettis kind of but Pettis just doesn't like I said earlier doesn't really have anything uh sustainable to to win a fight like that um and I and I do feel like I don't I don't necessarily think Ferguson is a threat to knock Gaethje out cold so I I think that Gaethje can kind of you know, people are saying that he's only he's got two rounds to get this done, Wait, which which could be the case. But man, I really think this fight's on an even playing field. Man, Gaethje doesn't take any back, state, back steps. Gaethje likes to meet force with force. And in these last three fights, I have noticed a change in his approach. Kind of kind of like Greg Hardy. Not saying that he's coming out here and, he, and he's and he's popping the jab, but I am seeing a guy in the Vic fight that, you know, the the Dustin and the and the Eddie fight. Man, he came out super charged up early, and he and he definitely. Um, well, I can't say he slowed down in the Boye uh, fight because he won that uh, third round, I believe it was. But uh, I think that. He's sitting back a little bit more. He's picking his shots a little bit better. He's not taking as much... His last three fights, you cannot say he's a punching bag. I mean, his, the first three fights, maybe you can say that, but the last three fights, you cannot say that at all. And, uh, I mean, let's this should be honest here. He was the underdog in two of those, and every time he's been the underdog, except one time in the, in the UFC, he's won, man. So, you know, uh, I think uh, the only time he didn't win is when he was the underdog when he fought Dustin. So... Uh, I think that Ferguson is playing with fire in this matchup. You know, I respect him, you know, for coming out here, giving the fans a good show, giving them what they want to see. But I do think that he slowed down a little bit. And I think people are kind of over. I'm not saying that he can't drown, guys, but I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, like, is there really that much stock in the, you know, drowning a twenty-five year old Kevin Lee that's not ready for a title fight? Is there really that much stock in, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, drowning a uh, Anthony Pettis, uh, Anthony Pettis uh, and Donald Cowboy Cerrone? Now, if we're talking about four or five years ago when he was fighting Edson and and uh, and Dos Sanos, I think that guy beats Gaethje for sure. But the, I, I don't think that 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 we're getting this guy. I think that this guy is a little. Uh, A little slower, just not as sharp, and I think that Justin Gaethje is going to knock him out in the first round, man. I think Gaethje is going to come out here, close that distance, and I think you're going to see those consistent mistakes that Ferguson makes in every fight that he gets away with. But I just think that Gaethje is different, man. Gaethje is different than these guys because Gaethje doesn't give a fuck, you know. When you don't have that fear of getting knocked out, when you don't have that fear of, uh, you know. Uh, of what's gonna happen in a fight like unlike uh anthony showtime pettis who is a wounded warrior and a and a cowboy seroni another wounded warrior and kevin staff infection lee you know uh i think that that it's a good recipe for gaethje you know i see a lot of people are on him which kind you know kind of worries me but you know man I, this is not the fight i would play ferguson and man i um Man, man, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, maybe, but I just don't see him as a threat to necessarily put Gaethje out with one punch. Kind of similar to like a Poirier or an Alvarez. I think both those guys have uh, better boxing inside the pocket, you know. But I feel like if Gaethje can fight that phone booth fight that he that he likes to fight, I really think he could put Ferguson down in one. I think if this guy hits. You know, you know, Ferguson likes to throw a lot of rear uppercuts with his chin sky high and he does it every single fight, man But when you're fighting these guys, like I mentioned earlier, man, you'll get away with it I don't think he gets away with it here. I think he gets knocked out in the first round So I'm gonna go with Justin Gaethje here and I and I think he's become the the interim champ
0: Man, I'm pumped for this fight. So uh, we got a lot of fan questions But let's get to them on uh, the next episode because uh, you you know We're gonna have to break down the next two fights. Uh, There's one wednesday and then saturday and this whole ordeal so we'll take care of that on the next episode it's a little bit of a shorter card but now shaq we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch so shaq what is your fight to watch for ufc
1: 249 yeah my opinion the fight to watch is uh henry Cejudo versus Dominick cruz i mean you got two all-time greats Dominic cruz the greatest band light of all time Henry Cejudo, one of the great, it might be the greatest combat, the Olympic gold medalist, the former flyweight champ, the current UFC bantamweight champ, triple C. You know, these guys have had a long rivalry, uh, uh, allegedly dating back to their high school days. You know, uh, Henry says that Cruz was always jealous of him in, the, in high school wrestling and because, I mean, he was just better than everyone and he'd always win. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm really interested to see what happens because if Henry gets this win, man, that'll be wins over Demetrius Johnson, T.J. Dillashaw, Marlon Moraes—the number one contender—and I mean, he would have had a serious uh, resume if he gets this one, especially if he can be the first guy to stop Dominic Cruz with strikes. So uh, that's my fight to watch. And if Dominic wins, bro, that'll be fucking crazy, man. He'll fucking be a three, a, what, three-time world champ. Uh, I mean, he—he's already a hall of famer, but if he gets a win, man, that'll be legendary. So you know, that's my fight to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, the co-main event is absolutely one of the fights to watch, if not the fight to watch. And normally I don't pick the main event for fight to watch, but guys, Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje, I mean, 17 combined performance bonuses uh, between these two guys. uh, 10 bonuses for Tony, 7 from Justin. 7 from Justin in 6 fights, just to let you all know. So I fully expect both these guys to walk out uh, 50K, maybe 100K richer uh, in addition to... You know, their, their salaries, and hopefully they uh, negotiated us uh, on pay-per-view points, too. So I'm hoping both these guys get paid handsomely on uh, Saturday night and give us an all-time classic. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC 249? Yeah, my
1: fighter to watch is going to be Justin Gaethje, man. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to go with Gaethje just because the fact that, man, the the complete switch around like i remember a, a few last year around this time where people were saying they don't know how many fights he has left in him <laughs> he only had like three ufc fights and you know going into the vic fight i'm telling i was telling people man they they are severely underestimating this guy and uh you know just the fact that you know he came in from that different promotion where you know it was called the c league and you know uh, he was fighting dudes <laughs> was like baboon palomino and brian foster and you know uh Busca pay you know shit like that where he was still getting in pretty much every fight just the if he came out here and actually want to enter ufc but i think that would be one of the best signings that the ufc has ever made It's guaranteed 50k with this guy guaranteed uh chaos with this guy same same thing with ferguson but if Gagey comes out here and wins the bye i feel like That would almost be, like, one of the best runs from him to start off one and two, then to to string off four wins, potentially all four by vicious KO, Uh, you know, so I think that he's my fighter to watch, and, uh, and I'm excited.
0: Definitely. Uh, For me, my fighter to watch is uh, Calvin Cater. Look, there's a guy, I've been singing his praises for a long time. And if you want to be top 10 in the featherweight division, you better go out there and beat a guy like Jeremy Stevens. And the reason it's so interesting is because of the line. I actually personally thought it was wide, even though I do favor Calvin Cater uh, to win this fight. I was hoping it was plus 105, you know, minus 110, like Yair was. But it's not. It's minus 250. They think he's going to come out here and soundly beat him. And I won't put that past uh, Cater to do so. So, I hope uh, he proves uh, all the talk uh, I've been giving him, all the praise I've been throwing his way, goes out there and beats Jeremy Stevens. So for that reason, Calvin Cater is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday in Jacksonville, Florida. UFC 249 live on pay per view, Gaethje versus Ferguson. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can get our plays at BestFightPicks.com. Use the promo code SHACK50, all lowercase, for 50% off Shaq's plays. Uh, it is max bet season this week. Uh, you can use my code DAN for 10% off or our combined code 2020 for 20% off our VIPs. Uh, Go to bestfightpicks.com for that. It is max bet season this week. Uh, Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. We will be back next week twice to break down both of those cards. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.